If you like what you're hearing, please consider contributing. Any amount helps. Recurring monthly contributions are best of all. Just go to maniacontheloose.com slash support. That's maniacontheloose.com slash support. If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. (laughs) I am your host, just your friendly neighborhood Maniac on the Loose. Sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times and enjoy the ride. Allensburg. On the far eastern side of Tennessee is a small town called Allensburg. You won't find it on any map, but it exists. It's tiny, an insignificant strip of road that is no more than half a mile long. There have been countless strange stories told from many who have passed through. The following are five of the creepiest experiences people claim to have had after making the mistake of traveling through Allensburg. The Photographer I'm a 33-year-old female. I'm also a photographer, and one of the things I love to do when traveling is explore any roads that have an off-the-beaten-path feel to them. On this day, I turned down a lengthy road that was canopied by thick shade trees. After a few moments, I noticed a sign ahead and slowed to read it. The sign was ancient, probably from the 1940s. It was extremely weathered and rusted, but I could make out that it said, Welcome to Allensburg. The strangest thing about the sign was that underneath the writing was a picture of a family. Husband, wife, young boy, and young girl all holding hands. But none of the family members had faces. It was weird because they were quite detailed otherwise. The males had buttons on their shirts and laces on their shoes. The little girl had bows in her hair, and the mother had waves in her hair. But all of them were faceless. Although it gave me a creepy feeling, this is exactly the type of interesting thing I'm hoping to discover to photograph. After snapping several shots of the sign, I got back into my car and continued down the road. My jaw dropped when I saw the house. I'm not exaggerating when I say that it looked just like the house from the movie Psycho, except it was white. The sides of the house were weathered and dirty. There were dead vines covering portions of it. There were shrubs lining the long brick walkway to the front porch. At least it appeared to be a brick walkway. 
It was difficult to tell because the shrubs clearly had not been trimmed in some time and were overwhelming the walkway. Across the street from the psychoish house was a huge, three-story, cornflower blue farmhouse. I could see rusty silos in the distance behind it. Next to the house was a small white church. I parked in front of the church and I immediately noticed that one of the front windows of the church was broken. I got out of the car, approached the church, and peered in through the break in the window. It was dark inside, but I could see the pews. They appeared to be covered in thick dust and infested with cobwebs. I tried to snap a few pictures of the inside, but it was too dark within to get a good picture, so I turned my attention to the sinister white house. As I took pictures, I realized how oddly quiet this town was. I didn't hear anything. No birds chirping, no clicking of insects, no children playing, and no dogs barking. There was an extreme eeriness to the place, and at this point I just wanted to snap a few more pictures and get out of there. I stepped onto the road to get a few closer shots of the creepy white house, and heard a faint tapping sound coming from behind me. I turned and followed the sound with my eyes. It was coming from the upper floor of the farmhouse. It took me a moment to locate the precise location, but finally I saw it. Someone was tapping on the upper floor window. I thought maybe they were signaling to me, so I took a few steps closer. All of a sudden, a face pressed against the window. It was a man, but there was something odd about his appearance. He almost looked like a mannequin. Finally, it registered that it was a man wearing a full-faced, transparent plastic mask. He stared at me for a few seconds and then rushed away from the window, giving me the impression that he was coming down here. For me. I ran as fast as I could to my car, started it, and peeled away. As I drove off, I looked in the rearview mirror. The masked man was standing in the road behind me watching me drive away. The scariest thing about it was that he appeared to be holding a machete. The Post Office My wife and I were taking a much-needed long vacation to the Great Smoky Mountains. We live within driving distance, so the plan was to drive out there and meet my wife's sister and her husband. We rented a nice sizable cabin and we were all going to stay there. I'm an advertising sales agent and it was a particularly busy time for me so I had to stay behind a few days to wrap some things up. My wife and her sister had tickets to a show and if she stayed behind and waited with me she'd miss it, so I urged her to go ahead without me and I'd meet up with them in a few days. Finally I got everything finished and started my journey for the Smoky Mountains alone. I had an important package with me that I needed to mail as soon as possible. The mail had already run and my local post office was in the opposite direction. I decided to take it with me and mail it along the way. I was taking the scenic route so surely I'd pass some towns with the post office. I'm old at heart so when I travel I prefer to listen to the regular old radio as opposed to a podcast or downloaded music. There's something about knowing that I'm catching some local radio waves that gives me a joyous, nostalgic feel. I found myself out in the sticks and the radio had been nothing but static for the past half hour. 
Every five or ten minutes, I'd turn the dial searching for some form of life. Finally, I was able to get one station to tune in. It was a 1940s big band orchestra. I figured I finally found one station, maybe I can find another. So I turned the dial further, and lo and behold, another radio station came through crystal clear. But it was the same era of music. 1940s. This one was kind of jazzy. I thought that to be a little odd, so I turned the dial again. Another station. Same old type of music. And another. And another. All of the stations I could find were playing music from the 1940s. I felt like I had traveled back in time, especially when I reached a town sign that said Welcome to Allensburg. It had that same 1940s generational feel to it. I couldn't take my eyes off of the house that resembled the Bates house from the Psycho movies. It sat just slightly off the road and had a very imposing feel to it. I couldn't tell if it was vacant or just not well kept. It was striking and spooky. If I hadn't slowed to a crawl to gawk at the house, I would have driven right by the post office that was next to it. Perfect. I can stop there, drop off my package, and focus fully on my vacation. The post office had a small parking area in front. It was aged with various weeds pushing their way up through the array of cracks in the pavement. It was obvious the place was empty, but I thought I could get out and take a closer look. Maybe they moved locations and had the address to the new building on the door. It was worth a look. I got out of the car and walked to the front door. The door was chained shut. The windows were caked with dirt and grime. Unfortunately, there was no sign indicating where another post office was. I got my face closer to the window and cupped my hands around my face to kill the glare. I could see in well enough to determine that the place didn't just look like it was closed down. It looked like it was abandoned. There were old registers on the counter. Various envelopes were neatly stacked on shelving units. I could make out an old heavy metal desk with a landline phone sitting on it along with various folders. In a far part of the post office, way past the counters, I could see something move. It was really dark back there, and it took my eyes a minute to adjust before I could make out what it was. It was a rocking chair, rocking back and forth, and it wasn't empty. A little girl was sitting in it. She was wearing a yellow Easter dress and holding a doll that was dressed exactly as she was. The little girl was watching me, and then she slowly raised her arm and pointed directly at me. That was enough for me. I ran back to my car and got the hell out of there. I'll never take that route again. Running on empty. I'm a 33-year-old man and I'm in the food service industry. I was on my way to a food and beverage trade show in Gatlinburg, Tennessee when I stopped in Allensburg. I had never taken this route before, and just after passing the Allensburg welcome sign, I noticed that my gas gauge was near empty. I remembered that I had passed a gas station about 10 miles back, and was confident that I had enough gas to get back to it if I turned around right now. It was possible that the town had a gas station up ahead, but I didn't have the gas to risk chancing it and decided to turn around in front of a small church. 
As I was turning around, I took note of the extremely old, Italianate-style house across the street. It definitely resembled the Psycho House. As I was getting ready to turn around, I noticed the door to the creepy old house swing open and saw a figure inside the house pass by it. Since the door was left open, I assumed the person who opened it would be stepping out soon. When they did, I planned to introduce myself and inquire about the nearest gas station. That's just the type of person I am. I have no qualms about just walking up to strangers and asking for directions or assistance. I'm quite affable in that manner. I sat in my car for a couple of minutes, but nobody came out. However, the door was still wide open. I figured the person must be just inside the doorway, probably putting their shoes on or something like that. I mean, why else would they leave the door open like that? I turned off my car, closed the door, and approached the house. Again, this is not unusual for me, it's just the way I am. When I reached the wide open door, I tapped my knuckles on the door molding and called out. Hello? I stuck my head inside the doorway. Honestly, I was kind of curious as to what the interior of the place looked like. The exterior had a neglected feel to it, but the interior was nothing of the sort. The floors were polished marble. There was a staircase to the left that had elegant oak rails. From what I can see, the entire place had an antique appearance and was immaculately kept. I called out again. Hello? Anybody home? That's when I heard a distant, dainty voice say, Come in. I couldn't quite ascertain where the voice came from, so I stepped inside of the house. The first thing I noticed was old, jazzy music playing in a far-off room. It took me a moment to realize it was a record player. I could tell because of the static popping sound of the recording. Then I realized the record was scratched and skipping. It was looping the same short portion of the song over and over. I started walking down the front hallway, getting deeper and deeper into the sweeping house. Pillars lined the hall, and the ceilings had to be at least 13 feet high. It was really quite stunning, but there was something about it that just didn't feel right. I reached the rear of the house and saw a glass back door fully opened. Through the glass, I could see that this door led to a beautiful in-ground swimming pool. Surely someone had to be back there. As I stepped through the door and onto the pool patio, I was met by a horrible stench, kind of like rotting meat. Ahead of me, I could see someone was lying in a lawn chair. Their back was to me, so I couldn't really make them out well. The only detail I could make out was that they were wearing a straw sun hat. I called out, Hello there! I was expecting them to turn around, but they didn't budge. I walked a few steps closer. Excuse me? No answer. No movement at all. That's when I noticed the loud buzz of flies. It was then that I detected that the person's hand was hanging off of the lawn chair in a lifeless fashion. At that point, I thought it best to mind my own business and get the hell out of there. As I stepped back into the house, I noticed that the record player was now off. So there was definitely someone else in the house. Whoever it was, 
I didn't want to encounter them. I just wanted to get out of the house, back to my car, and get the hell out of this town. As I made my way back toward the front door, I could hear footsteps on the floor directly above me. They were walking at a normal pace at first, and then suddenly broke out into a run. I could hear them starting to come down the stairs, which were just ahead of me to the right. I ran as fast as I could past the stairs toward the front door. I could hear the person flying down those steps. They were close, close enough that I could actually hear them breathing. I didn't turn around. I just ran out of the house, down the sidewalk, across the street, and jumped into my car. I immediately locked the doors, and it was only then that I looked back at the house. I expected to see the person who was chasing me, but was surprised to see that there was nobody there. Everything was quiet and looked just as it did before I entered the house, with the exception of the front door now being closed. I drove back in the direction I came and was able to make it to the gas station. After I filled up my tank, I went inside to pay. I asked the cashier what he knew about Allensburg. He shook his head and said, Don't know of any place called that. I was a little surprised by that. I, I pointed in the direction I came from and explained that it was only ten miles down the road. He interrupted me and stared at me while holding a serious expression. He repeated it again. Don't know of any place called that. He then looked around before leaning in closer to me and whispering, Stay away from there. Pit Stop I'm a 45-year-old male. The story I'm about to tell happened last summer. I had never heard of Allensburg before. The only reason I drove through that night was because I made a wrong turn. I had to piss like a racehorse, so I was on the lookout for a gas station or a quiet section of road where I could pull over and relieve myself. It was a little after midnight and thick clouds rolling overhead made it a particularly dark night. I didn't even realize I was in a town at first because there were no lights anywhere. As I turned through a slight bend in the road, my headlights splashed against a farmhouse and a church. I could see the silhouette of a huge house across the street from the church, but couldn't make out any details. As I drove on, there was what appeared to be a post office and then a row of houses. There were no lights on in any of the houses. No lights in the windows, no solar lights in the yard, nothing. Just, just darkness. Ahead, I could see a few old buildings. They also had no lights and appeared abandoned. Hell, the whole town appeared to be abandoned. I thought, hey, what better place to empty my bladder than an old abandoned town? I pulled next to the side of a building. Judging from the old rusty Royal Crown sign hanging out front, this place appeared to be a store at one time. I turned off my car, got out, and hurried next to a small tree that seemed to be growing out of the foundation of the building. As I stood there taking a leak, there was a break in the clouds and a flash of moonlight slightly illuminated my surroundings. Not far off behind the building I could see a car that appeared to have large spots of rust on the driver's side door. That's when I noticed that the door was slightly ajar. Had this been an old car, it would have fit right in with the apparent abandoned area, but it was a newer model car. 
It looked kind of out of place, like it didn't belong there. I was curious, and since I had a little moonlight to guide me, I trotted over to take a quick gander. I approached the car and used the flashlight on my cell phone to get a closer look. Immediately, I saw that all of the windows of the car were busted out. And then I realized what I thought was rust on the door wasn't rust at all. It was a reddish-brown stain. My impression was that it was dried blood. The same stains were on the ground by the car and trailed off around the building. I got the feeling that someone had been dragged from their car. Since the door was already partially open, I decided to open it the rest of the way to see if there was anything unusual inside the car. Upon first glance, everything looked normal other than the seats being a bit dusty. That's when I spotted a small black journal lying on the floorboard. I grabbed it. As I started back to my car, I was startled by a low hum in the distance. I quickly realized it wasn't a hum, but rather a deep chant. I used the side of the old building as cover and stuck my head out to see what it was. First thing I saw was a large log home just down the road a bit. It looked uh, very modern and out of place against the rest of the strange town. And unlike every other place in this town, the log home was lit up in extreme fashion. It looked like every light in the house was on. The porch lights were bright. There were floodlights illuminating the driveway. And I could see thick pillars of smoke coming from the fireplace, which struck me as odd since it was the middle of summer. I turned my gaze past the log home as the chanting grew louder, and that's when I saw them. It was a good-sized group of people walking down the side of the road, carrying torches and moving slowly toward the log home. There was something off about the way they walked. It was almost robotic. The light from their torches allowed me to get a good look at them. They were all wearing similar outfits. The men had on dark trousers and pale blue shirts. The women wore dresses the same color as the men's shirts. The men wore black hats. The women all had similar braided hairstyles. They were all chanting in unison. I, I couldn't make out what they were saying because it sounded like they were speaking another language that didn't sound familiar to me. That's when I hurried back to my car, started it, and began driving again. As I passed the group of people, they all stopped, turned their heads at the same time, and stared at me as I drove away. As I drove out of town, I noticed an old rusty town sign that said, Visit Allensburg again soon. Except someone had taken red spray paint and wrote the word DON'T in front of it. The entire experience was really creepy. I decided to call the cops since it appeared that there was blood on the car I took the journal from. I was several miles away from the spooky town when I finally got a signal. When I finally got hold of the police, I told the dispatcher about the blood on the car and suggested that they may want to check it out. The dispatcher asked me where the car was located. I told her it was in a little town called Allensburg. I remember there being a slight tremble of fear in her voice when she asked, Did you say Allensburg? I confirmed that she heard me correctly. 
And that's when she hung up. The Journal The following is a transcript of the journal that was found. I'm writing all this down in case I don't make it out of this town. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I specialize in places with unusual histories. I've always found the strange stories about Allensburg fascinating and thought it was time that somebody actually visit the town to find out how much is fiction and how much is reality. I packed up my trusty handheld camera and set out on my own to get some actual footage of the town and hopefully even speak to some of the town folks. When I arrived, I was surprised to find that the town was exactly as it had been described in the stories. Weird rusty welcome sign, large blue farmhouse, church, and of course the town's centerpiece, the Psycho House. I drove past all of the landmarks in awe and quietly parked my car behind one of the run-down old buildings in the center of the town. My plan was to approach the Psycho House first. I intended to just walk up, knock on the door, and talk to the people who lived there. I wanted to see if the people seemed unusual and also to find out if they were aware of the urban legends surrounding the town. As I walked up the street toward the house, I noticed how chillingly quiet everything was. It was a warm, sunny summer day, but there was no breeze, no sign of life from birds or insects. No far-off voices of people out and about like you might expect to find on a day like this. Just an odd hush over everything. The house was intimidating as I made my way up the walkway toward the front door. All of the windows had interior wooden shutters that were closed except for one window on the top floor of the house. As I got a closer look at my surroundings, I realized that the yard didn't seem well taken care of. There were various patches of crabgrass. The shrubs lining the walkway were very overgrown. The, the house just didn't have a lived-in feel to it. Before I got to the door, I looked back up at the top floor window and noticed that the wood shutters were now closed. So there definitely had to be someone in the house. I hit the record button on my camera, walked to the door, and knocked. Nobody answered. I knocked again, but nothing. I stood there for a while before I decided to put my ear to the door and listen for any signs of life within the house. I could hear distant music, old-time music, and scratchy like a record player. So far this place was living up to its reputation. Which was surprising to me. I was expecting most of the tales I heard to be grossly exaggerated or simply untrue. The psycho house was giving me willies, so I decided to walk across the street to the big blue farmhouse. From the edge of the yard, I could hear what sounded like a grinder running, so there was no doubt that there was somebody inside. But I didn't approach it. If the grinder sound were coming from a garage or barn, that would have seemed more normal, but this sounded like it was coming from behind the front door. I could hear the ting of metal against the grinder. My thoughts were that somebody was in there sharpening something. A knife, maybe? I thought it best if I just leave this house alone and started walking back down the road toward my car. 
At this point, I felt uneasy about the town and had decided to just leave with what I had. But then I thought, if I leave now, all I have is just another strange story from Allensburg to add to all the others, and that's not what my intentions were. I wanted to get to the bottom of things and come back with some explanations, so I decided to stay and investigate further. Then I noticed the post office and remembered the story about the little girl inside. I decided to take a closer look. Again, the tales were fairly accurate. This was an abandoned post office that still had supplies inside, giving the impression that it closed down abruptly. The chain on the door was held together by a simple lock. I always carry a small lock-picking tool set with me. Sometimes when I'm filming, I come across abandoned places that are locked and am daring enough to do what I have to do to get inside for a closer look. The lock was easy to pick. I quietly entered the post office. It would have looked like a functioning post office except for the thick layer of dust and cobwebs covering everything. A light toward the back of the building caught my eye, so I climbed over the counter and walked toward it until I found myself in a room. A living room. There was a couch and end tables. An old TV was in the corner with a test pattern on the screen. Unlike the post office, this room was well lit and tidy. It was cared for. Somebody was living here. There was a door toward the back of the room. Before I could even think to open it, I could hear heavy footsteps from behind it getting closer. I didn't think my presence would be well received, so I decided not to wait around to see who came through that door. I hurried out of the post office and ran back to the building my car was parked behind. The building looked like it might have been an old store, or maybe even a diner. There were rusty food and drink advertising signs outside of it. I tried to look in through the window, but the grime on the windows was too thick to see through. I tried the door, but it was locked, so I pulled out my lock-picking set. It was starting to get dark out, but I could still see well enough to pick the lock. I never got the chance. I was distracted by distant chanting. I followed it to the large log building I had heard about in stories. It was well lit and there were several torches in the ground surrounding it. Even though the town was even stranger than I expected, I was still determined to talk to someone who lives here. Maybe there's a simple explanation for this and the town folk are just misunderstood. I walked up to the log building entrance. I could hear that the loud chanting was accompanied by organ music. I couldn't make out what the people were saying. It sounded like another language. I was nervous but determined in my mission, so I knocked on the door. I knocked several times, but nobody answered. I tried to open the door, but it was locked. So I picked the lock and entered. After walking through a small, rustic foyer, I found myself in a massive lobby. There was a gigantic stone fireplace in the corner of the room with a fire blazing in it. There were cushioned seats and couches placed orderly throughout. Various trees within the lobby gave it a cozy feel. I walked through the lobby in awe until I found myself in a wide hallway. It was from a room at the end of the hallway that I could hear the chanting coming from. 
I started walking toward the chanting, but noticed a slightly ajar door to my right. I pushed the door open enough to pop my head inside. It was some kind of conference room. There was nobody in there, so I decided to get a closer look. As I stepped in, I first noticed another door toward the back of the room that was also slightly opened. I started walking to it, but then stopped when I noticed that the walls in the conference room were covered with maps and photographs. First, I noticed a huge map of the United States. There were dozens of red pushpins sticking from various places all over the entire country. Next to the map were smaller maps of towns. The header of each map had the name of the town and then a variety of pictures from those towns. That's when I noticed the trend. Every town started with the name Allen. Allensburg, Allensville, Allenstown, Allensworth, Allensfield, Allens Grove, Allensdale, Allensbury, Allensboro, Allensford, Allenshire, and the list went on and on. Then I noticed the pictures underneath each of these towns, and they were all nearly identical. Psychoish house, blue farmhouse, church, post office, old historic center of town. All of these towns scattered across the country were practically the same. Before I could look further, I was distracted by the silence that fell over the building. The chanting and music had stopped. After a few seconds, I could hear the footsteps of several people walking down the hall just outside of this room. I say walking, but it was more like marching. Their footsteps were in unison. I held my breath, hoping they wouldn't hear me. At this point, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I felt like I stumbled upon something that I wasn't supposed to find. I just wanted to get to my car and get away from Allensburg. I was nervous, and I guess I was sweating a lot because my camera slipped from my hand and crashed to the ground. And all at once, the marching outside of the door stopped. I didn't even have time to look down at my camera to see the extent of the damage before the door of the room was kicked open. Standing in the doorway was a man dressed in black. He was wearing a clear plastic mask and holding a machete. I turned and ran to the door at the far end of the room. I entered the room and shut the door behind me. There was a deadbolt on the door, so I latched it. I figured that would buy me a little time. That's when I noticed the room I was in, although it wasn't a room so much as it was a cave. The walls were all jagged, dark stone. There was a large round hole in the middle of the floor with a ladder sticking up from within it. I wasted no time and climbed down the ladder. I found myself in a gigantic cavern of some sort. There were a series of at least a dozen long corridors that stretched into the darkness. Above me, I could hear the door being busted open, so I chose one of the corridors and started running. The corridor had lots of twists and turns. Every so often, I came across a small torch on the wall, so I was able to see where I was going somewhat. I stopped when I noticed a small alcove to my right. There was a ladder within leading up. I had no idea where the corridor was leading me, so I decided to climb up the ladder to see what was up there. As I arrived at the top of the ladder, I could see it ended at a trap door. 
I raised the trapdoor open and stuck my head up. It was the living room in the post office. I was about to hoist myself up and run out of the post office when I noticed the little girl in the yellow Easter dress sitting in a chair, holding a doll and staring at me. That's when she pointed at me and screamed. Within a few seconds, the door at the back end of the post office living room burst open. Another man in black wearing a clear plastic mask appeared. This one was holding some kind of homemade scythe. I climbed back down the ladder, back into the corridor. I started running again until I got to another alcove with a ladder. I thought I might have better luck with this one, so I climbed up it. This one also had a trap door. I opened it. I found myself in some kind of edged weapon arsenal room. The walls were lined with knives, swords, daggers, machetes, every bladed weapon one could imagine. There were several stone grinders throughout the room. That's when I realized I was inside the farmhouse. I could see the front door. If I can make it there, maybe I could get to my car. That's what was running through my mind when I heard the breathing behind me. I turned my head and could see at least half a dozen clear masked men on the other side of the room. They were staring at me. This time I didn't even climb down the ladder. I just let go and allowed myself to fall. My ankle hit the ground oddly and I could hear a pop. I wasn't sure if it was sprained or broken and at this point I didn't care. My adrenaline drowned out any pain and I ran. I kept running through the corridor until it ended. It ended at the mouth of a cave. I stood in the shadows of the cave and looked out. Across the way I could see the center of the town and the building my car was parked behind. There were groups of people in light blue shirts walking down the street holding torches. That's when I was overwhelmed by the stink of death. I turned toward the smell, and in the corner of the cave, I can make out a heaping pile of bones. Within the bone pile, I could see multiple human skulls. I can't wait any longer. I'm going to try to get back to my car. If I don't make it, I hope somebody finds this. The journal ends at that point. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Be sure to visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com Sign up for the free newsletter and receive a free book and movie. We'll see you soon. Very soon. Soon.